This is a WTOP original podcast. From Podcast One. Coming up in this episode of Target USA. We think that Russia would be making a grave mistake if it were to follow through on what they seem to be preparing to do, which is try to alter a border of borders of a sovereign country and influence events inside a sovereign country, Ukraine, by force. Derek Chalet is counselor to the State Department. He says trying to talk to Russian officials is not just important for Ukraine, but for Russia as well. Secretary Blinken has talked often about the massive consequences Russia would face, economic, diplomatic isolation. The Ukraine fight, by the way, would not necessarily be an easy one. The Ukrainian military is a a different military than it was when you and I uh, last spoke in 2013. We're going into these conversations with uh, open eyes. We are under no illusions. Coming up on this episode of Target USA. The National Security Podcast. From WTOP in Washington, D.C., this is Target USA. Russia could render huge harm to this country. North Korea's secret missile. Capable of reaching the whole of the United States. Dangerous terrorist. D.C. is repeatedly mentioned as someplace they would like to seek an attack. Cyber criminals. Decryption successful. America has a target on its back. And on this program, we investigate the threats, the people behind them, the agencies fighting them, and the impact on you. This is Target USA. The National Security Podcast. I'm J.J. Green. Derek Chalet is the counselor to the State Department. He and I first met in 2013 when he was Assistant Secretary of Defense for International Affairs. He's always been a straight shooter, told it like it is, and is someone you can expect the truth from. So in talking about the U.S. and all that it's accomplished in the last year and its challenges, he was very frank. And this conversation today talks about some difficult subjects, including what's happening in Ukraine, what happened in Afghanistan, a messy defense deal with France and Australia, and the challenges the U.S. faces now. Thank you for joining us, Counselor. Tell us what happened last year. What did you do sure. in the last year? Thanks, Thanks JJ. And it's uh, it's great to be talking with you again and great to be joining you in this in this format. Um, yeah, I walked in on day one, January 20th last year uh, as Counselor of the Department. I had been uh, part of the State Department transition team uh, prior to that for this, uh, several months uh, uh, after the election and before January 20th. So in many ways, uh, my job on January 21st was a continuation of what I've been doing the previous few months uh, in helping to uh, manage the State Department transition and get Secretary Designate, uh, then Secretary Designate Blinken, uh, ready uh, to take the reins of the department. So uh, we we inherited a fairly daunting agenda. I think every administration comes into office believing that it is inherited a a difficult agenda. I was part of the Obama transition team and, and came into the State Department in, in January 2009. Uh, we thought then that we had inherited a very difficult agenda with, with two wars going on in Iraq and Afghanistan, the global financial crisis. Uh, uh, I have to say, though, the uh, in, inbox a year ago was, uh, was far more daunting. Uh, obviously, we had a a once in a generation, once in a century pandemic that we were all 
suffering through. Uh, and and uh, we, of course, conducted most of the transition virtually, but we uh, entered in the department last year. Vaccines were just coming uh, online. We were doing a lot of our work virtually, uh, still yeah. are today, of course. Um, we obviously had a global financial crisis that was on the scale of the Great Depression uh, that we were suffering through. Um, we had uh, enduring challenges like a climate crisis that was that was uh, racing ahead. Uh, but we also had uh, a moment where many around the world were uh, questioning American leadership. Uh, also, frankly, the stability of, of uh, America here at home, given what we had been through in the previous months and years. Um, yeah. So it was a very big agenda, daunting agenda. And uh, our sort of foremost goal uh, in this first year is been sort of to try to kind of arrest the negative trends that were okay. uh, underway, me... but then also get us to build a foundation yeah. Um, yeah. that we could try to get some things done in the in the remaining time in office. Here. Okay. Uh, we, we knew we couldn't fix all these problems on a dime. We couldn't turn things around on a dime. We couldn't fix things. Uh, immediately, but we we needed to set that foundation uh, for the years ahead, and that's where I think we are now. Okay, so let me just bite off a little bit of this at, at a time here, because you've unpacked a whole bunch of stuff there, and I'd like to break down a little bit of it. You sure. said that this coming into this job, there, it was a difficult agenda. Those items that you ticked off, the climate change pandemic, and the concerns about what the U.S. was uh, on the world stage— are three things. Is, were they the bulk of the difficulty or what exactly was the difficulty? Well, I mean, those combined, as, as I said, I would posit were uh, created the most daunting agenda that, that any new administration has faced, uh, I would argue, since uh, Harry, Truk Harry Truman took over from FDR in April 1945 uh, in terms of just the challenges and the stakes involved. Uh, and we felt that acutely uh, here from day one and set out to get to work right away under what was very difficult circumstances. I mean, Secretary Blinken couldn't travel uh, for the first several months he was Secretary of State. I, I, I think probably since the dawn of the jet age, he probably went the longest without being able to travel as any Secretary of State because of COVID. And how, uh, now, how, did, that, how did that impact you? How did that impact the work? Well, it meant that so most secretaries of state come into office and probably within a week they are out on the road. Uh, they may uh, some secretaries do literally an around the world trip where they may hit 10 to 20 countries in one trip, uh, starting with uh, with allies. When James Baker became secretary of state in, in January 1989, the first trip within days of taking office, he visited every single NATO ally on his first trip. So. Uh, obviously, we were unable to get on an airplane for a couple months for good reason because of COVID. Uh, we made up for that by burning up the phone lines and doing uh, a lot of virtual interactions. And, and, and we, in these early days, we did a lot of virtual meetings, uh, either bilateral or, or multilateral with others. Uh, also, we started to innovate and do virtual trips. So do the kinds of things you would do uh, normally on a trip in terms of government engagement, civil society engagements, media engagements, but do them virtually packaged in a compressed period of time. Um, now, look, that's no substitute for showing up in person. And yeah. the secretary, myself, other, uh, all my colleagues here, we have made up for lost time uh, in the remaining uh, eight months of the year when we were able to travel again to, uh, to get out there and show that America is going to be engaged, uh, that we want to roll up our sleeves and dig in to try to solve problems here. 
Um, and uh, even though we are we are temporarily uh, dialing back some of our travel right now because of the Omicron uh, variant and and some of the challenges that's presenting around the world and here at home, uh, we're going to have that have that very intensive engagement uh, launching here in the coming weeks. Well, looking at these difficulties <clears throat> that you faced and what you did to essentially get around them. Um, it seems as though you've been pretty successful in doing that in the last few months in getting back out there and, you know, traveling and meeting and talking and engaging. But there's still some difficult things out there to handle, some difficult issues, uh, and not the least of which is the situation in in, in, in Eastern Europe with uh, Russia, Ukraine, et cetera. Yeah. Uh, I'm just wondering, yeah. um, what are your thoughts about that situation? Well, JJ, you're right. I mean, we have our share of challenges is still ahead of us. We have the, a lot of unfinished business from last year. Uh, as I said, we no one had any illusion that that our problems could get solved uh, in the first year. And really, this this 2021 was about uh, reestablishing the foundation for American leadership uh, and setting us on a course that over the next several years we're going to be able to see some results. I mean, we do think we, we've achieved results in the last year in some ways, but there are many of the big issues we're tackling, uh, whether it's COVID or climate or strengthening and, and, and revitalizing American alliances to building our domestic strength here at home. These are things that are going to take, take uh, a lot of effort in quite some time. Um, but uh, among the issues that's, that's front and center right now, of course, is the situation uh, between Russia and Ukraine. Uh, and this week has been a very intensive week of diplomacy uh, in Geneva, in, in Brussels, and Vienna, uh, bilaterally with the Russians in Geneva, um, with the NATO alliance in Brussels, and with the OSCE, the or Organization for Security and Cooperation in Europe, uh, in Vienna. And we are, alongside our allies, and I think this is a very important point that I'd like to underscore, that we're, everything we're doing is in full conjunction with our partners. And we made very clear to the Russians and the Russians have taken the unusual step of, of already publicizing their bottom line uh, in a series of documents that they released uh, at the end of last year, which laid out uh, many of their uh, wishes that are non-starters from our perspective. And in many ways, it's sort of trying to roll back uh, many of the accomplishments of the post-Cold War era from uh, that has been to the benefit of the U.S. and the strength of the transatlantic community. Yep. Um, but uh, we have made very clear to the Russian leadership, uh, and that goes from President Biden's engagements with President Putin over the last several weeks to Secretary Blinken's engagements with the Russian foreign minister to our Deputy Secretary Wendy Sherman's engagements uh, just a few days ago with the Russian Deputy Foreign Minister, uh, that... There are two paths here. There is a path uh, that could lead to confrontation, and the Russians uh, have laid out some some demands, as I said, many of which are totally unacceptable from our perspective and the perspective of our allies and partners. Um, and the threats uh, that Russia is posing to Ukraine um, are completely unacceptable. Mm -hmm. uh, but we're very clear that there's another path. There's a path of diplomacy and dialogue. Uh, we are prepared to take that path uh, we are prepared to engage in honest and reciprocal dialogue uh, uh, with, the, with the Russians. Um, and that's what we wanted to try to lay out for them this week. Uh, now we'll see. It's a test uh, whether 
um, this process can get traction or whether we're going to, we're going to go down a different course. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. so that's, that, that's what we have to do as diplomats is, is get caught trying. Um, and it's very important that we're doing so in full conjunction with our partners. Yeah. You know, the last time we spoke was almost nine years ago. It was, yeah. it was, it was May 21st, 2013. And at mm-hmm. that, at that point you were the assistant secretary of defense. At the Pentagon, yep. and um, yep. you had a pretty full portfolio. Yeah. We're just talking about Russia here now, um, and I wanted to ask you a question against the backdrop of your previous work in the Defense Department. We've known for decades how Russia is, and and how you know the the former Soviet Union was, and yeah. what we've seen in the last few years is an attempt. It appears to me by Russia's president to take us back to that Cold War era, doing a lot of the things that were done then. And it seems as though he's getting some traction here. Why is he, at this point, getting the audiences that he's getting if everyone knows that he really, and that country really doesn't intend, or at least doesn't seem to be, by example, doing anything good for the rest of the world? Well, JJ, I mean, he's, he's, I mean, my perspective is talking is not a concession. Right. Uh, and, and um, we, even look, Putin has been, it's not, I don't think it's any great mystery about where he's coming from on many of these issues, because as you said, he's been consistent for quite some time. Nevertheless, we think that uh, Russia would be making a grave mistake if it were to follow through on what they seem to be preparing to do, which is, try to alter a border of borders of a sovereign country and influence events inside a sovereign country, Ukraine, by force. Uh, Secretary Blinken has talked often about the massive consequences that would be uh, uh, Russia would face, uh, economic, diplomatic isolation. Uh, and then the Ukraine fight, by the way, uh, would not necessarily be an easy one. The Ukrainian military is a, is a different military than it was when you and I uh, last spoke in 2013, and, and a lot of that is because of the assistance that the United States and our other partners uh, in Europe have been providing the Ukrainian military to make it more effective and capable. Yeah, you know, in uh, fact, um, thinking back about this, our talk was before the, the sure, Russian right, invasion. Right, it was it was about eight months before. Yeah, uh, before the 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 first incursion into Ukraine, which yeah. uh, the illegal annexation of Crimea and the and the. Um, the occupation of the Donbass region. Yeah. Um, it, so, so I don't, I, I think that, look, we're going into these conversations with uh, open eyes. We are under no illusions um, that uh, this is very difficult and that ultimately they may not succeed, but mm-hmm. we're going to really try hard. Yeah. And we have our one of our most capable diplomats uh, who has uh, over 20 some years negotiated with the North Koreans and the Iranians and now with the Russians uh, and Wendy Sherman is is on the case. Mm-hmm. And that's just one facet, though, of the diplomacy. And that's very important as well, because we've been clear we're not going to talk there's about anything about Ukraine without Ukraine. We're not going to talk about anything about NATO without NATO. We're not going to talk about anything regarding Europe without Europe. And so uh, this is more than just a U.S.-Russia conversation. This is a conversation between Russia and NATO, and Russia and the rest of Europe. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's the diplomatic uh, uh, effort that is currently underway. Well, that is definitely a heavy, heavy lift, uh, and it's going to take some time, and we're going to continue to watch that. Um, I'd like to ask you, you know, 
we've looked at what, what what took place last year. We've looked at this one issue from now and moving forward. But uh, what would you say is the most difficult issue on your or daunting issue in front of you now? Oh, it's it's <laughs> it's hard to choose one. I have to say, I mean, you know, JJ, part of these jobs is, uh, you know, you you uh, they're all hard problems for sure. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I think that if I were to sort of try to take a step back, I think the biggest challenge is when you add up all of these discrete challenges, the rise of China and, and uh, their efforts to throw their weight around the, the Indo-Pacific, but more broadly in the world, the, the challenge from Russia, Ukraine, which you've discussed, the challenge of Iran's nuclear program, um, uh, the challenge of our changing climate and, and the existential threat that that poses, uh, the challenge of COVID, which which is... Uh, still very much with us and is a global problem. It's something that we're facing, you know, here at home, clearly every country's facing, but as, as we're see, we've seen with Omicron variant, there's no better illustration of how it's a global challenge because as long as this virus has the opportunity to spread and replicate and mutate, it's a problem for all of us. Um, and of course our challenges here at home, which are inextricably linked to our ability to project our power and influence in the world, whether it's our economic strength or our ability to get things done uh, here in the United States. Um, so I think, you know, adding it all up, uh, you know, we are at a, <laughs> sort of a cliche to say that we're, we are at a, at a kind of hinge point in history or, or an inflection point uh, in, in, in international politics. But I think combining all of the, the great power uh, uh, changes, the the changing geopolitical shifts, the pandemic, um, the challenges that democracies are facing all around the world, um, I think adding it all up, this is one of these one of these moments that is akin to the post World War, immediate post World War II era, the immediate years after the end of the Cold War where I feel like much of the 21st century is going to be defined in the next five to 10 years. And, uh, you know, I'm in, we're in the lucky position of being in jobs uh, where we can try to, uh, to the extent possible, influence the direction of events, but these are huge challenges. And um, that's why what we've tried to do in this first year is, is set the solid foundation for what we, what we expect to be progress down the road. But, uh, it's going to take a a whole of government, a whole of society effort here, as well as uh, working in close cooperation with our with our closest allies and partners. Now, speaking of the closest allies and partners, and this this list of significant challenges that are out there uh, in 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 the the near and the long term that the U.S. has to handle, you talked a little earlier about these questions around the world about U.S. leadership. I know that the, the Biden administration has taken great uh, pains to try to address that issue, but in some of the conversations that I've had overseas uh, with some of these uh, partners, there's still questions. Some of the conversations I've had with um, ambassadors and other stakeholders overseas, there are still questions uh, about the U.S.'s leadership uh, and where the U.S. and how the U.S. is going to move forward. Afghanistan is one thing. You know, that AUKUS deal was another thing. Um, how, how has have these issues been fixed uh, in terms of being able to move forward? Because that may be a part of the problem if these you know problems haven't been fixed in terms of the U.S. moving forward and getting accomplished the things yeah, that you lay it's, out. It's a good look. Um, 
it's it's, it's not going to be breaking news to say that our alliance, many of our alliances, uh, core alliances and partnerships were in pretty tough shape uh, a year ago um, for for a variety of reasons. Um, and 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 strengthening alliances and the efforts of maintaining alliances and, and making sure they're as effective and capable as, as they can be is not an effort where there's ever an end. It's, it's kind of like fitness. You have to constantly work it. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're never at that point where they're just fixed and it's, you don't have to work on it. And you know, what we've tried to do is infuse new energy into uh, old alliances, existing partnerships, whether it's uh, uh, NATO or ASEAN, uh, uh, the Association of, in Southeast Asia of Southeast Asian nations, um, to try to to show up and also be actively engaged uh, in in efforts with those with those partners, uh, as well as bilateral alliances, whether it's with the Australians or with the Japanese or with the Brits. Um, USEU is another critical piece of it and with the European Union and trying to, to re-energize and, and elevate our engagement and create new forms uh, of engagement with organizations like the EU through, for example, the Traded Technology Council, which we offered or which we created, elevating the quad, the Asian quad, the quad between Australia, Japan, India, and the United States, which had existed before, but President Biden and Secretary Blinken have worked to, to elevate it, and we've had the first quad summit uh, leaders level meeting uh, here in Washington, and we're looking forward to having another uh, next year. So it's it's about strengthening what we've got, but then building uh, new for for the future. And uh, look, this is this is not easy. I mean, AUKUS you raised, which which uh, was about uh, a major move with two treaty allies, Australia and the United Kingdom. Um, It was something that was not uh, something that uh, obviously we had some work to do with the French on this, but we think, nevertheless, it was an important uh, strategic move uh, that that uh, is going to, really, we think, change the power dynamics in the Indo-Pacific for the better in terms of our interests uh, in the coming decades. Uh-huh. Um, so, and look, here at the State Department, shoring up alliances, uh, building, uh, uh, strengthening current partnerships, building new ones, that's bread and butter for, of what we do here. And, and uh, when it comes to meeting any of the challenges that we've discussed uh, today, whether it's a challenge like Russia-Ukraine or Iran's nuclear program or climate change or, or the global pandemic, the global economy, um, defining the rules of the road for the 21st century, the U.S. can't do any of that alone. Uh, we need to do it with our partners and allies. And uh, that's why it's it's issue priority number one for us to uh, to make those as strong and capable as they can be, those alliance partnerships. Okay. One more thing I'd like to ask you. Um, in terms of what you want to do and need to do and are most interested in doing um, from you know, looking at what's in your portfolio and what's most important and, and, and certainly the most pressing, share with us um, what it is that I won't say keeps you up at night, but keeps you busy that you want to get done. Um, you know, I know there are a lot of things, but is there something above everything else that's most interesting to you to get done? Well, I think is this the the project of of building and strengthening alliances is is uh, it's important work, and I think it's it's rewarding uh, work as well. And it's um, you know, George Shultz, the the great Secretary of State who passed away last year, 
um, had, a, had a wonderful analogy where he said diplomacy at its core is a lot like gardening, where you have to tend to the garden and pull the weeds and, you know, fertilize regularly and, uh, you know, be patient because not everything's going to happen instantly. You've got to, you know, water it every day and just kind of tend to it. And sometimes some of that work isn't particularly glamorous. Uh, but it's important. And if you stick with it over time, you're going to get beautiful flowers or great fruits. And, and that's, uh, I kind of enjoy gardening and I, I, I enjoy that, that kind of day-to-day work of trying to get things done. Um, and, uh, you know, this is the fourth time back here in the, de- the state department for me. And, uh, it's, it's, it's a great pleasure to work with secretary Blinken and, and my colleagues here to try to uh, have the garden of, of, of uh, U.S. diplomacy thrive. And, um, you know, there's a lot of things that keep me up at night. I think part of being in jobs like this is worrying a lot about things. Uh, uh, the intelligence brief every day is not, is not usually full of good news. Um, but, uh, you know, it's important for diplomats always to have hope uh, and, uh, and not to be, not that blind hope, but, in the, but to have hope and to think that, you know, with hard work and uh, good effort and good friends and allies, we can get stuff done. You know, um, thank you so much for taking time to do that and uh, to tell us about that. Uh, I should ask one really quick thing before we go is, how are your people doing? How are your diplomats doing? Because we know in the last few years, there have been some health concerns for some and some questions about what's happening to them. So how are they doing? How are they as a whole? Yeah, thank you. Thank you for asking that, JJ, because one of the, one of the, uh, high priorities for this for Secretary Blinken, and I know it's something that you and your listeners pay close attention to, is is the health of our workforce, uh, making sure the State Department can be as as modern and effective and uh, diverse uh, as it possibly can be. And the State Department, like many parts of the U.S. government, was under a lot of stress uh, last year, and it's still it's still under stress given uh, the pandemic in particular, um, and we've and the department prior to this administration taking office and since taking office has had to innovate and has I think done an incredible job um, uh, in doing so and trying to adapt to this new work world we're in and the challenges we're facing because of COVID. Uh, first several months that that we were here, I I personally spent a lot of time uh, as did Secretary Blinken and others making sure the workforce could get as vaccinated as fast as possible because the vaccines were just coming online. And so acquiring those vaccines and getting them out to our diplomats uh, serving abroad was, was our top priority uh, in those early months. Um, but then also we have had uh, issues with these uh, anomalous health in- incidents uh, that have been uh, something of great concern that uh, Secretary Blinken and all of us here. And um, one of the first things he did when he was secretary designate uh, so it wasn't even in the job yet, was to get a briefing on the situation and all the uh, questions around it and what the department was doing to, to respond to these incidents uh, prior to us taking office in January last year. We've made some changes and tried to improve things uh, uh, this year in terms of how, we, how we've responded to that. Um, and we're going to work on this is a work on this uh, quite a bit in the in the year ahead as well until we get to the bottom of what's happened. But uh, but most importantly, really take care of our people, those who've been affected and to try to prevent uh, any more folks from from being affected. So thanks for asking that question. Derek Chalet, counselor to the State Department. That's it for this episode of Target USA. 
Coming up in our next episode, the Ukraine problem. Staffers within the State Department, within the NFC, they're providing good counsel. Former National Security Council Director of European Affairs, Alexander Vindman, says the U.S. government is being warned to take action now instead of later. But it doesn't seem to resonate with the cabinet-level leadership. You're talking about the staffers, NSC staffers, and it's not resonating with Jake Sullivan and people on his level and above. Right. And it hasn't carried the, the argument with regards to President Biden. Vindman, a retired army colonel, says it's not just the U.S., it's other Western countries concerned about going too far. It is a really misplaced fear about what Russia's actions are. That's coming up on the next episode of Target USA. In the meantime, if you have any questions or comments about the program, send me an email. You can reach me at jgreen at wtop.com. The letter J, the color green. One word at Whiskey Tango Oscar Papa. Jay Green at WTOP.com. Also, please subscribe to our podcast and follow us on Twitter. We're at TUSA Podcast. That's at Tango Uniform Sierra Alpha Podcast. And if you want more national security news, you can sign up for my newsletter. It's called Inside the Skiff. And you can sign up at WTOP.com slash email. I'm J.J. Green, and this is Target USA. The National Security Podcast. Hey guys, Jay Cutler. Started a new podcast called Uncut with Jay Cutler. Most of you know me from the NFL. Some of you have seen me on Instagram, and some of you know me from the reality TV world. Each week, I'm taking you along with me as we discuss football, turning topics, and whatever's going on in my life each week. I'm bringing along people that are special in my life. Former teammates, friends, and some new people that I like and respect. That's what you're supposed to do, right? Podcasting? I think I'm doing this right. Can't wait to get started with you. Go subscribe now. Uncut with Jay Cutler. Apple Podcasts, Podcast One, and Spotify. Or wherever you get your podcasts. Now, stay tuned for the latest headlines from the Associated Press.